previously on the Nature of My Game podcast. I feel confident in saying that she is not an old woman. Whatever she is, she is something else. You dig in with your teeth. You actually feel some bone start to break, like you're connecting with bone, and you feel something snap and give way. Her entire head comes off of her neck and falls onto the ground. She did something to them. She brought in tissue samples that she used to help manipulate them. And they became something else, something monstrous. Wait, does this mean that I share DNA with Pete? Let me grab a couple things that look neediest. Whatever that is, whether that's the fish heads, the squid. You see a large crack form in the floor right on the aisle with all of the as-seen-on-TV items. I imagine Pete's going wild, huh? So wild, in fact, that you feel a piercing pain inside your stomach. Where is his sense of self-preservation, JR? Where do you sell that in your things? For the first time tonight, as you close your eyes and you're rubbing your ring, it feels like that you're the hand of your great-grandmother touches the back of your hand. What the fuck are you doing? Wouldn't you like to fucking know? Ashland, Illinois, August 2nd, 1980. The man sat on a park bench under the shade of a tree across from Grant High School, sipping a coffee despite the sweltering heat. A folder sat in front of him, open, with a single typewritten page inside. The man was reading it over, occasionally looking upward and closing his eyes, seemingly trying to remember something from the page before looking back down and checking his memory. The man had invented most of what was written on the page, there wasn't much true about himself that he could share with anyone else, let alone put on a resume. But he needed to make sure that he knew the information by heart. People tended not to trust someone who didn't know offhand the basic facts of their resume. A few moments later, he checked his watch, closed the folder, stood up, and started walking over to the front of the building. It was time for his interview. The man had earned himself countless jobs over the years and had done plenty of teaching in the past, but he'd never actually worked at a high school before. He was intrigued. He'd heard they had a mascot, whatever that was. It was a gator or a groundhog, maybe a gopher? He wasn't sure, but apparently one of the students dressed up as the mascot for sporting events. He was also looking forward to being able to teach history from a textbook rather than his own memory. His brain was tired, existentially tired, and he was glad that he wouldn't have to use it that often. As he entered the building, a kind-looking older woman smiled at him from behind a desk, and he could see a few other people walking around the office behind her. The man felt confident that he'd rarely be in a position where he'd be alone with anyone else in the school, which was for the best. He just needed to make sure he made it through the interview. He approached the desk and the woman said, Good afternoon, sir. Can I help you? The man smiled the most approachable smile he could muster. Yes, ma'am. I'm, I'm here for an interview for the social studies teaching position. Oh, yes. The principal will be ready for you in just a moment. The man nodded and then looked down at the woman's desk. She had a paperback sitting next to her purse. The man chuckled. Are you enjoying that? He said, pointing to the book. Oh yes, the woman said. It's just wonderful and so spooky. Are you a fan of Stephen King? The man laughed, perhaps a bit too loudly for the situation. Yes indeed, but uh, Salem's Lot is my favorite. I'm glad you're enjoying it. The principal opened his door just at that moment and waved to the man. Ah, Mr. Stevens, thanks for coming in today. Right this way.
we're dealing with science gone awry. <laughs> some, uh, yeah. some mad science is happening here. Yep. I don't know how many, how, how much any of us has to do with science stuff. I don't know that any of us are in scientific fields. Nope. So <laughs> no. the closest that I can get to asking you about sciencey things is, do you have any particularly memorable, especially if they're memorably bad, science fair projects <laughs> from school? Mm. <laughs> we wow. all, I'm sure we all had to deal with the science fair. I didn't. And you did never did a science you fair. Never did a so science fair. Here's the thing. Like in in my school, this was only a thing in middle school. And in fifth and sixth grade, everyone was required to take part in a social studies fair. And then in seventh and eighth grade, I believe you had the option to social studies it, or you could compete randomly in some science Olympiad events that were held at the high school. So, like, I did that, but I never did science fair. Interesting. I wish that my school had, like, a social studies fair. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, like, my high school didn't even have AP Euro. Like, yeah. that wasn't an option. Like, we, we just had U.S. history and world history and government and econ. <laughs> and so well we didn't we, have any AP in my high school well, so that I was doing social studies fair in fifth and sixth grade yeah 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 <laughs> um memorable science fairs um no uh I, <laughs> <laughs> I did I, I did have to do science fair freshman year of of high school I did some science fairs in in elementary school but sure. nothing particularly memorable I think I did the most boring possible project that I could come up with in my freshman year of high school, which was testing different materials to discover the most effective erosion, <laughs> uh, like stopper. Great. Like That's rocks, so good. Uh, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're so environmentally conscious. It was so boring. It's truly so boring. I have to ask, were, did, were you, Eric, or anyone else here, like Lacey, when we get to you, did... Any of you would like have like the last minute? You, it's the night before, almost midnight, and you're pasting shit on that triboard <laughs> and like <laughs> trying to get that stuff ready. Because that was me every time. I was always like, "Oh right, I forgot about the science fair project," and it's like a day before, two days before. Oh no. Oh yeah, absolutely, almost any time, and none of them are memorable. <laughs> but yeah, I was just always banking on my grades the rest of the year or whatever <laughs> it was making up for it because i hated to make a presentation i'm not visually i'm not a visual artiste i'm not into uh so i just yeah would put something together last minute did mediocre probably because my teachers were like eh, she does fine otherwise and just <laughs> mm -hmm. I, if I if I do have one that I remember a little, it's not really because of the the experiment I did, which was something to do with like a box, and it was like half and half, and like the lid allowed for light to come in a little bit on one mm. end, but not on the other, and it was about like plants growing toward <laughs> like the light and stuff like that. That was while I was at the Christian school for sixth and seventh grade, um, <laughs> and the thing about that was you know we had did have a science fair. But one of the things, and there was like an award for it that I didn't win, but uh, you had to pair your science for project with a Bible verse. Oh, no. Oh, boy. <laughs> yep. No, no. I've seen and, the science textbook oh, where every chapter starts no. with a Bible quote. No. It wasn't oh, from my school, but I, I, I don't I've remember seen <laughs> if, like I said, I was only there for two years and then it was public school. 
But, um, yeah, I don't remember. That That sounds like something that was probably true. But I'm sure mine was something about going toward the light of the Lord or some shit. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, that, the, the project lines up very nicely. Yeah, I yeah. It's a light-based project. But I didn't, but I didn't win. I didn't even oh, win. So, you <laughs> Don't I hide your light under a bushel. bushel or something yeah, like something Incredible. along those lines. Sure. Like it's a light up on meta- a hill. It's a good or, metaphor. There's lots of a yeah. grist on that mill. That's a weird yeah. thing. Um, Seems to I... me you lived your life like a candle in the wind. That's from the Bible, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's somewhere in Proverbs. The book, the book of John. <laughs> <laughs> I um, No, I, I have a very distinct memory. Because um, I have a big sister, my only sibling. She's two years older than me. And she... God love her. Like I and I do love her. Like I adore her, but she is one of those people that got away with that shit all the time. Mm-hmm. Like she's an incredibly fast reader. I swear. That girl read A Tale of Two Cities by staying uh, getting up at like 4 in the morning the day of the test and read A Tale of Two Cities. Like she's ridiculous. But in our house, like so she also did the Science Olympiad 2 years before me. And our house growing up is a shotgun house, which is a term where it is one central hallway that you could shoot a shotgun down with just rooms on either side. And so we have a very long, straight hallway. All like her and ours rooms obviously were both right off the same hallway. And so she spent the entire night before Science Olympiad doing her mousetrap vehicle, which is where, you know, the snap of the mousetrap makes something go. Mm. And she would shoot it down that hallway. And, like, of course she didn't do any work ahead of time. And, of course, like, all I can hear for hours is just that little, like, snap of the mousetrap and then roll, 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 crash. (laughs) Just, like, (laughs) all night. And you know what? I think that jerk, I think she won. That's the worst part because she would (laughs) always pull it out. (laughs) I'm so sorry to tell you, Emily, that I am 100% that person also like, uh, like, uh, like no, I mean absolutely notorious especially in college for writing for waiting to the last minute to write last papers minute. oh I just um, can't mm-hmm. I can't I wrote do it my, my, my potentially I have I have two very proud paper writing achievements <laughs> one was writing an eight page an eight page final paper my senior year in an hour and 45 minutes <gasps> um, like between like between finals um <gasps> And the other was for grad school in a PhD seminar, though I was not a PhD student, but I was taking one PhD seminar. I wrote a 20 page final paper on the last day, like on the day that it was due and got an A. (laughs) I just, Terrible. Terrible. Now, I say this from a position of doing the same shit, so I am also with you. But uh, to return to the science fair question Mm. briefly, uh, the last two years of my, like, great school experience. I also was in a school that was K through eight. So seventh and eighth grade, they did instead of the science fair up through sixth grade, they had done the science fair. Then we shifted over. The new science teacher wanted to do an inventors fair and we had to invent something both of those years. The first year, I think I invented something that, so I had like a bunk bed uh, in, (laughs) in my room and I like to sleep on the top bunk and all of that. And so the problem is the light switch is over by the door and my bunk bed is all the way across the room. And, and so my invention was a demonstration of something to turn the light switch off from the top of the bunk bed, which was literally just like a, a slide, a thing where you put a ball in and it would go down, hit the light switch and it would fall into a little like cup under the light switch. That's so very just creative. Turn it off from I a was dis- thinking a long distance. stick. 
Yeah, I thought too. I was like, it was a long stick. And oh then my, my second year, see if you can notice the pattern here. The second year, I invented something that toasted marshmallows. And it was like a marshmallow thing on a toaster thing. Um, only it was a slide with a ball that went down it. <laughs> and hit... Um, oh, you would man. set a match in like a, there was like a, like a fulcrum. It would land on the other side. It was a heavy ball. So it would hit it and cause the other end to pop up the switch or the uh, match would catch on the side of a match book that was set into this thing. And then the match would burn there. And it was set so that that would be right under a little thing that you would turn with the marshmallow. Wow. On it. That's very cool. Roast a single marshmallow. Yeah. I think I won. I think eighth grade when I did that. I think I like. That's got very impressive. You were just you were building on your previous invention. Yeah, exactly. yeah. That's, right. Iterating, that's right. Always iterating. Yeah. Iterating. That's what it is. <laughs> as a totally uh, not totally separate as a as a as a slightly related topic. Did any of you ever play the the computer game The Incredible Machine? I think I did. That I was like it was like familiar, built, it was like I... a Rube Goldberg style. You built like a, yeah. a machine that did a thing, right? You yeah, had you to, had to like, like complete a level. task, and you got like weird weird mm-hmm. items to try to create. Yeah, yeah. that reminds me of that. Yeah, such a good. Game. I I did a Rube Goldberg project in in sophomore year, like physical science, but I don't even remember what we were supposed to be doing. Because we were in a group of four, and my friend Gary and I had discovered the musical Rent, and we just sang our way through the soundtrack, and like that's all I got. I mean, we were great. (laughs) And somebody else did the Rube Goldberg. We were there. We helped. We just you were you were the muses. You inspired exactly creation. Speaking of science and figuring things out. Yes. Woo, let's yes. do it. Good seamless, seamless transition. I would like, like a pro. to. We, yes. <laughs> we just had a moment where Evie was confronting. Oh. Was. Holy shit, I've forgotten her name. Selter. 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 Thank you. Let me start that again. We the just Deborah had a conspiracy. moment. <laughs> we just had a moment where Evie was confronting Dr. Selter in the lab. And I would like to kind of do a cinematic thing here where just for a second, I'm cutting to a different scene and then we will cut back right at the moment that Evie is interrogating Dr. Selter. But I want to cut to Kurt in his car driving back to the lab for a second because Kurt is the only one who has now encountered Dr. Kenwick. Mm. No, no. Did I leave the mastermind behind? (laughs) And having left Dr. Kenwick... He saw the state that Dr. Kenwick was in. And Kurt's been thinking about all everything that's been going on, and he has rightfully been asking questions about, like, wondering what's going on with the bugs and why haven't they, like, gone spread out and destroyed the town and things of that nature. There's something else that's kind of bothering him, though. He hasn't quite been able to put his finger on it. And suddenly the, the question sort of occurs to him. Okay, wait. If Dr. Kenwick has been in this basement. He's been malnourished. He's been dehydrated. He's been here for a a little while. Dr. Selter got fired a couple of weeks ago. What? How did the lab not notice that Mm. Dr. Kenwick wasn't coming in for days, a week, however long it's been? What's been going on? How could no one have noticed you know, people knew Dr. Selter got yeah. fired, but how did people not notice that Kenwick was gone? The beetle is dressed in a lab coat that says Kenwick, and no one <laughs> noticed. It's a multiple beetles standing on each other's <laughs> yes, shoulders. 
and from that oh, moment boy. of him thinking that, I will cut back now to Evie. Mm. That doesn't make me feel in the lab. No. I gotta tell ya. Confronting Doctor. Very Seltzer. nervous. And you have spun her around, and you have asked, "Who is he? Who is who is she referring to?" And he and she responded with, "Wouldn't you like to fucking know?" <laughs> so, yes, I, I responded fucking with, would. "Yes, I. That's why I fucking asked." <laughs> and you have just used magic on her to kind of lock her into place. However, the duration is shortened. You know, I think, when you did it. You can tend to know when your magic isn't quite doing what you want it to do. Sure. When your abilities aren't quite firing the way that you want them to. You have one major action that you can take of your choice here in this moment before this wears off. That can be asking a question or questions of Dr. Selter. It could be going over to that device, doing something, you know, with the computer, whatever, or doing something else. What would you like to do before this wears off? Oh boy. Um, shit. I would like to... You said... I, I think you just said it, but my brain is just going in a hundred directions. You said she had like a thing in her hand that she was also beyond the computers like messing with, right? Yes. There was some sort of small device that she was she had that she was banging against the, count, the like table there, the desk, and she had the computer that she was on. This is stressful. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> there are no wrong uh, choices. Absolutely. No, there are no wrong choices. I don't think that's true. Um, <laughs> I don't live life by that philosophy. Um, shit. Okay, so I'm going to go take it from her, or wherever it is. I'm going to mm. go Okay. Grab, grab whatever that is. I don't know if it's phone or whatever. Okay, you go and you pick it up. It's this sort of um, small, squarish device uh, it has a couple of keys on it, um, and it has. It looks like it does have some sort of like basic screen and input to it, um, but the screen is black, um, and you're not really sure what it does exactly. But you pick it up, and um, she's sitting there, and she looks at you and, and looks at it. You don't know what you're doing with that. That could save us. Who's I don't really trust you when you say us. I don't know that you're including me in that picture. <laughs> she sighs through like gritted teeth. What do you think controlled them? What do you think allowed them to be controlled and to be moved about so that we could direct them? What do you think it was? Was that... I, if I can, I'm going to start back, like, moving away from her. Okay. She's, she's, I think she almost doesn't notice that she's doing this because she's so intent on this. But the, the spell that you've cast breaks. You see it kind of fade into wisps and she stands up and starts walking towards you as she's speaking. Eek! That idiot Mertzman was supposed to do exactly what... I said, and he broke the device. He broke it, and now we can't control them anymore. That seems bad. Just throwing <laughs> that out there. That seems very bad. I'm pulling the list back up to see if there was a Mertzman on it. Yeah, I know, me too. I can yeah, tell you that there, there isn't. This is the first time you've heard this <gasps> name. Oh, interesting. Mertzman. What do you do? 
She is now walking towards you angrily. Uh, I am shit. Because as much as I don't necessarily think that she maybe has my best intentions. She starts running towards you. Oh, oh. fuck, shit. Um, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna, shit. I'm gonna use magic. Okay. Uh, <laughs> A great start. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep, good, good, good. Oh, and okay, I'm going to use magic to uh, try to inflict harm. Okay. Ooh. And I don't know if I have to say this like before. I, I want if I can, if I do, if it's successful, mm-hmm. I want to use hex. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so let me. Lo- I have to double check your hex ability. I think this is the first time we are using it here. Ooh, it is. Um, yes. Yeah, so you may target contracts a disease. Target immediately suffers harm. Target breaks something precious or important. Okay. Great. So go ahead and use magic. Can I ask for, I mean, and maybe it's clarity that is, mm-hmm. it, it, maybe it's intentionally ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But just for the sake of it, when it says break something precious or important, mm-hmm. is that just precious or important to someone generally, or is it something precious or important to them? I would say it's something precious or important to them. Okay, that makes sense, but the ambiguity made me nervous. Okay, six plus one is a seven, plus two is a nine. Yes. Okay, so this works, but there is a glitch. However, you are using your hex ability, which means you get that, you do get the bonus to Mm -hmm. it. So if I would choose the harm one, inflict harm from use magic is one harm. Yes. If I choose that, that says two harm, would that be three harm? Oh, so okay, yes. So work? yes, if you choose the two harm move, the two harm part of hex, in addition to the harm that you were doing from casting the magic, then yes, you would do three harm to her, and you would still need to pick some sort of glitch. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yep. Don't worry, I I know it's there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's just go with target immediately suffers harm, two harm on top of the inflict harm. Okay. So three, and then the glitch. I don't want to weaken it, because that was the whole point of... Oh, I'll live to regret this one, probably. I'm gonna... I'll take a harm. Okay. What does this look like as you focus in and make this magical energy fly out this to is, her? This is very much not something that Evie does very often. It is not the point of her magic. It is not what she likes to use it for. Um, so she is definitely a little inexperienced, but she has done it before a couple of times a couple of cases investigations gone wrong um she focuses and it is that same inky black energy just like a wave that like crashes okay into her okay this wave of black energy comes out of you and she runs it towards you and runs, ends up kind of running through it. But yeah. as she runs through it and it washes over her, you watch as it's almost like acid as parts oh! of her skin start to like burn and oh, flake. That's her And she runs and she slams into you. And this is actually what you take the harm from. Oof. You take one okay. harm because she just slams you into the wall with her, just with her full force as she's like shrieking and in like, just at this point, a maddened state, just like, give it to me and slams into you and into the wall. She starts clawing at you, clawing at the device. What would you like to do? Oh my God. Cry. (laughs) (laughs) Just 
I don't have anything that I can do other than use magic. Yeah. I am squishy and I am not good at things other than magic. Hey, you can keep on being a magician if you want. That's nothing okay. wrong with that. That's what your build does. But I feel like the more I use the magic, the more just things, bad things happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's let's, always let's, the chance. Let's just, let's use magic again. Okay. Oof. Are you doing harm again this time or do you want to do a different effect? That's what I'm trying to decide. Um, I think, how bad does she look like hurt? She looks pretty hurt. <laughs> to the, I mean, to the extent that I did, can gauge that in this moment. No, I mean, like, she's a bad person, but she's also a normal person. And not someone who's wearing, like, armor or anything. The, what you did to her hurt her a lot. I didn't just reveal that this was a costume and she's actually the queen underneath it all. No. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, fuck. Damn it. <laughs> she's not an android. <laughs> you know what? Let's just... Try to inflict, try to inflict harm again. Okay. And can I just hex her again? Yes, you can. You can do that move again. It just. I know God. it feels like I know it feels cheaty, but that's part of what like monster yeah, of the week kind say, of does allow why, you to do things. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. Think about the number of times that Kurt just fucking charmed someone to do whatever he wanted. <laughs> <laughs> so many times. I just assumed that was, like, podcast veteran privilege. <laughs> Guy who usually runs the show privilege. I get to do whatever I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Um, yeah. Three plus one plus two is a six. Oh. It's a fail. Oh, no. Yeah, thank thanks, Tommy. I figured that shit out. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, that's for the edification of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Sorry, so listeners. you lose control of your oh. magic. I think with everything going on and the sort of like panic setting in, etc. This is just you're trying to do this one more time, and it it's it doesn't work. And I think what you end up doing is you you do go into that dark place again that sometimes go washes over you when you try to use magic. And the you, you close your eyes and everything just kind of goes dark and you start feeling those feelings of self-blame and self-doubt again and feeling like, again, this is your fault. Mm. What are you even doing now? You're what, like killing some person? Like, what are you? This isn't even what your magic is for. You like to help people with it. You don't like to do this. And you hear... Uh, kind of a scream from Dr. Selter and as you open your eyes both of you are hovering in the air about <gasps> six feet off the ground oh, like boy. the two of you are like clutched onto each other and you are staring her in the face and she is just looks shocked and horrified at you as you are hovering in the air and then both of you slam down into the ground with an incredible amount of force just Bam! Right onto the floor of the lab. Would have been, from, as a normal fall, it probably would have hurt some, Ugh. but this wasn't a normal fall. You went down with incredible force, mm. and it will deal two harm to <gasps> you. Oh boy. Yeah. It also does two harm to Dr. Selter as you watch as her bones crack. <gasps> her skull slams into the ground. Oh, God. And you just hear the, the cracking of bone 
and blood just starts pouring out of her nose and her mouth, and she is not moving. Oh, boy. Well, I mean, with that two harm, I have crossed over uh, into unstable. It's five, it's five total. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Evie is fucking sobbing. Uh, she is scared. She is, this is not... Yeah, like, this is not what her magic's for, but she does it. She is already, I mean, she's still second-guessing what else she could have done. I, 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 she is very lost in, like, I mean, the horrible things that are going on around her in this bigger issue, she is very, she's here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Dr. Selter, they, was not her favorite person in their short time together, but she, this isn't what she, <laughs> this, I contra, I know she tried to, she tacked her once, she tried to, well, she kind of did it again, but not the way she intended. This isn't what she wanted. And she is, I think, if, if, I don't know if it's still in her hand at all in all this, that thing. So you look and the device was between the two of you during this, as you were in the air. You kind of lost your grip on it as you were coming down. You just kind of push Dr. Selter's body and it turns over and the device is buried in her chest. <gasps> just like sank in uh, as she slammed. She It was between her and the ground as she slammed into the ground. Oh, God. Um, the device, if it wasn't broken before, which you got the <laughs> sense that it was, it's very broken now. Oh, um, boy. Yeah. Like, does it look, I mean, not, uh, again, not that this is something that Evie knows about, that, but is it the kind of thing that even, like, a, a layman could look at and be like, that is busted. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Beyond any kind parts, of... Parts scattered. Okay. A whole chunk of it came off when it hit the ground. There's no repairing this anytime soon. I don't think so. Okay, so she's not even probably going to try, she's not going to try to dig that yeah. out. Um. But I will say that... All of this has taken about the amount of time that, say, um, Marion and Kurt were in in what they were involved in. But now they have the time of them driving back. So you still have time where it's just you in the lab right now, as far as you know. As far as I know. As far as you know. (laughs) So I will ask, what would you like to do? Do you need to spend the rest of this time trying to get yourself together? Or are there things you're going to try to do? I think she is going to go into... She remembers earlier, you know, this is one was one of the times when her, her great-grandmother came through when she used the site or used magic mm-hmm. to she's I think she's going to try to I want to use the site to again look for now that I guess potentially knowing there's someone else. I, she doesn't know if they're there. She's just looking for the energies again. Okay. All right. I'm going to let you do that without a roll since this is a fairly like you go into the site. You focus and go in and open your eyes, and you look around, and there isn't the gathering of these insect sort of energies that you would expect here. Mm. It, they're, they're not around you, and as you kind of look around, you're also not pinging any other entities or energy or anything like that. You, you just kind of keep looking, and it's honestly pretty empty and pretty vacant. There's there's not really anything that's pinging to you as like an immediate th- threat or even necessarily anything immediately alive around you, okay. including Dr. Salter. <laughs> sure. Ouch. <laughs> Rip. If not seeing anything, I mean, I know, I don't know how much more time even from there. I think she's, it comes out of it. And a part of what I was trying to say is, like, also, she was looking for that reassurance, and this time Grandma mm-hmm. wasn't there, which is totally fine. Um, she 
even though she knows that she doesn't really know what else to do. She goes back over to the computers where Dr. Selter was to see if there's anything that seems just obvious that even she could figure out. Sure. Sure. So you look at the computer and though there's a lot going on there that you don't understand, there is a, um, an open sort of like tab or an open section that you look at that is uh, a log, a lab log. And that log has a couple of entries in it from earlier in this year. Um, one marked January 28th, 2008. Genetic sample obtained from Homo sapiens homovirus, otherwise called vampire, sourced locally. <laughs> Lab locally log. artisanally grown. I was going to say, like farm-to-table <laughs> vampire. Farm-to-table vampire flesh. Uh, February 11th, 2008. mRNA extraction from Homo sapiens homovirus has been successful. February uh, 19th, 2008. Homo sapiens homovirus genetic code has been mixed with current specimens. I think Evie is just sitting in the chair at this point because she is messed up mm-hmm. Phys- physically. Mm-hmm. I mean, very mm-hmm. much. As, mm-hmm. And she is not she is not hardy in that way. Uh, and she is just around probably roughly around the same time. Kurt and Marion both arrive, maybe just moments after each other um, at the lab. Um, I think when I pull up, I'm Still got Jer. Still got Jer. Fan favorite Jer. Yay! <laughs> I I think so. I think this is a rental because I don't I don't live here. <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. And I think I'd put some of my stuff into the trunk. Mm-hmm. But like I think I've got most of it now. I've got my first aid kit, and mm-hmm. so I'm gonna pull up. I'm gonna get into the first aid kit, and I'm gonna start trying to just like gauze up, like wrap up my copiously bleeding leg okay. to get it to stop bleeding. All right. So you do use basic first aid, which will heal you of one harm. So yeah. keeps the unstable tag to it. Absolutely. So, but you are healed of one harm. I'm going to... So I think two things. I think mm-hmm. one thing is like, as I put away the supplies, I think that there is a little box in my first aid kit that is basically the equivalent of Pythian smelling salts. It is a little thing that captures the vapor that, like, Mm -hmm. the seers smell and give their visions from. That, like, who knows what the fuck it is. But, like, she has a thing of it. And she's not good with magic, but that is her best chance of trying Mm -hmm. it if she has to. So she's just going to put it in her pocket. And she's going to toss the keys to the rental to Jer and say, hey, buddy, go home. And the next time somebody with a crossbow tells you to just get out, work on that self-preservation instinct. Go. I gotta get out of here. Okay, ma'am, you saved my life. I I don't know what I could do to possibly thank you, but you have any time. When I once I <laughs> rebuild, any time you wanted to come into Jer's bait and tackle and things, you can have anything you want, and it will be on me. And he turns the car on and he drives away from the lab. Okay, cool. So Kurt is probably pulling up at that point Mm -hmm. and gets out and says, um, Marion, I'm glad to see you here. Did everything go okay? It went. Nobody died. But it's... I'm not not doing too great. But 
I we we gotta get in there. Evie's in there. She's been alone for a while. She's not used to this. I'm really fucking worried about her. We we gotta go. Yes, I agree. And do one thing for me. Keep an eye out for a man, and I'll give the description of Doctor Kenwick. Mm-hmm. Ooh, interesting. Keep an eye out, and if you see him, I don't think it's him. Sounds like you've also had an interesting time. I have, and I can't say that no one died, but only the right person. <laughs> um, Marianne just says, great, let's go. All right. And so I think as we walk in, Kurt's like, how do we find her? Oof. Um, what a good question. I'm going to remember that it is in fact 2008 at least. I'm going to pull out my cell phone mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to text Evie we're here. How do we get to you? I would like, because of this and sort of the situation that's been going on Evie's sort of recovering, can you roll a uh, read a bad situation roll for me? Because I think if you do that and kind of get the, like, what's the best way in question Sure. Then you're able to, you send the text off Evie receives it in a timely fashion and is able to kind of can get I help you her? an idea. Yes, you can. Yes. Um, I, how would you like I'm to just help? trying to I think I'm just trying to I think in, in the past, you know, we mm-hmm. were we've we've written letters letters to each other for quite a while and I think we both served as for lack of a better, for lack of a not so corporate term thought partners <laughs> for each mm-hmm. other. Right. <laughs> like we just we run things by each other, problems mm-hmm. that we're having and I think we try to help each other with those problems. And so I think I fall into that same role for her. Okay. And just trying to like give her someone to bounce ideas off of as we try to figure out um, cool. where to go. You just sort of talk it out. Sure, sure, sure. Then like roll that. to help. Seven. Okay. So you do get uh, a plus one to your roll, Marion. Amazing. I expose yourself to danger. I don't know if that necessarily applies here. I think I'm just going to let that go as you you generally like succeed and give the plus one. Okay, cool. Okay, if you want to so hold I'm... on to the danger, you feel free to I might hold on to the danger, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I get, I'm in, what am I, I'm in, I'm reading a bad situation? Yes. Okay, so I normally would have a zero, but now I have a plus one, so thank you for that. Eight. Eight, so you get to hold one, which means you can kind of ask the, like, what's your best way in question to kind of figure out how to get to the lab here. So, Evie, your phone lights up, and you have a text from Marion asking this question, and... The the role is really to kind of not even so much like she would have sent the text, you would have gotten it. You are able to, despite having done this in like a vision, like in a in, you know, using your magic, you're able to describe to her the steps over text, just kind of and maybe probably multiple texts. But like, OK, go forward, go here, turn right, go up the up these stairs and over to the call. left. Or call. No, yes. text only. <laughs> text only here. You committed to text text only here. That, uh, we're just texting. You said texting. Okay. So All right. um, you're, out, you're out of you're out of minute. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Wow. So you are able to successfully guide Marion and Kurt up to the lab to you. Like you have to go up to the second floor and then when you're in the lab, down those stairs yeah. to the first floor part of the lab. And you arrive to see Evie uh looking Worse for wear, I would say. Not looking great. Um, Possibly broken bones type of a situation. Cracked rib, something like that. And looking pretty beat up. And also you see the body of Dr. Selter, bloodied, 
with some sort of metallic thing partially embedded in her chest on the floor. Christ, Evie, are you okay? Her instinct as ever is to respond like an asshole. Um, I mean, they're obviously are not okay. <laughs> but I think she pauses because she's also still just worn out. And she responds with, I don't know what happened. I didn't mean to kill her. I didn't. That's not what I didn't try. To, it was broken. The thing that is in, she's, it was broken already. I didn't do it. I didn't, I did it. I didn't do it. She is just agitated. She is just not okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's, it's answering without really answering, but yeah. it's very clear. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, I think Marion's going to cross over to you and I know you have one really bad hand, but I'm hoping your other hand's okay. It's all kind of bad at this point. <laughs> well, she's going to try and like see if she can just like put a hand on a place that doesn't look obviously hurt and just like try to offer some sort of comfort. She like just fully leans into it. Yeah. And I think Kurt walks over and tries to like, you know, keep a little bit of distance, but just says, Evie, you did, you did great. She just, she doesn't have anything to say. Not out, she doesn't. I mean, it, but it's uh, still, it's still not like the usual like right, eye roll. Snap, Why is this so, man yeah. fucking talking to me? It <laughs> is just like... Evie's sitting in this chair that's at the computer. Yeah. Um, and as you are speaking to her, and you come over to kind of offer comfort, and you set your hand down, and your fing- your finger actually hits an enter key, and <laughs> smooth. Uh, the screen changes. Oh, shit. And there what is I do? an additional log that is there. Okay. About the uh, the kind of ex- ongoing experimentation. And you note, uh, like, when you see this screen pop up, I think Evie catches your eye as you turn and you look at it. And there are a couple of notable entries there, including one that says um, Psychic Device Imparts Basic Control on Queen and Swarm. And there's another that says, continued work on resiliency required, subjects still susceptible to open flame. Whoa, good to know. Do you think that I would be able to see the the other entries, the ones about me? Yes, Hmm. yeah. I think as you, like, when you went over there and as you were offering Evie uh, just some wor- a word of encouragement, a word of comfort, all three of you could see what was up on the screen at that point, which was those yeah. first logs. And it was just a couple of logs, short sentences. So you read them in just a second. Yeah. So I think bef- kind of before that, I, as, you know, Evie doesn't respond to me and I say, I have a question. Did you, you didn't see anyone that she referred to as Dr. Kenwick, did you? I looked at it, I don't, I didn't, I've never at any point seen any other energies, right? Correct? Correct. There's, I've looked, I've looked, um, at, at, I didn't see anyone when I was coming in, but I was following a, a vision and I've looked, I've looked at the energies, I've looked at the spirits, I've asked and I don't see anything. I don't even see it. The bugs really here anymore. Um, she was 
she was really mad when I when I got here. She was upset, um, and she was upset at someone that who wasn't here. She was upset. Uh, Mertz, Mertzman, Mertzman. I don't. She didn't. I. She didn't say anything about Kenwick. I don't. Mertzman. I don't know, but I don't think they're here. Does Mertzman ring a bell for either Kurt or or Marion? Actually, it might ring a bell for Kurt. I think that you know a gentleman by the name, or have like at least heard a gentleman by the name of Wayne Mertzman. And Wayne Mertzman is a man who is constantly on, finds himself on the wrong side of the law. He is just sort of like a local grifter, someone who is regularly being hauled in by the police for petty scams and small crimes. Not by any means a scientist or anything of that nature, but someone who is certainly is not against getting involved in something that he thinks could make him money quickly. Okay. So I think Kurt says, I have, I, I met Dr. Kenwick when I was at Edna's house. He was in bad shape. He had been captured and, and held downstairs for a little while. I, God. I didn't think about it until I left, but I, I'm afraid someone's impersonating him because otherwise the lab would have realized that he was missing. I, I wonder whether it's maybe this Mertzman. And then I think that's the moment that he looks down at the computer screen and sees the sees the references to him that his DNA was that his samples were extracted that that his genetic code mm-hmm. was, you know, kind of inserted into this hive mind situation. And he closes his eyes in what looks like a kind of resigned like I I can't believe that I was a part of this kind of like looking upward with his eyes closed but what he's really trying to do is throw his brain Mm. out into the world hell yeah and see if he can find where this part of him is yeah interesting okay so I'd like to use magic in some way I'm curious what you think Tommy is the the most relevant way to connect this if it's if it's big magic you can tell me and I'll I think, out. <laughs> I think as a sort of, I, I don't know that just sort of trying to find a general indication is necessarily big magic, okay. but I will, I, I think I will allow it be, re- allow it to be regular magic um, and for you to make a roll for that. Sure. Um, if it's successful, I think you can get a sense of a general direction of where some of this genetic material that had been yours um, might, might like where it might be kind of congregated or amassed. Sounds good. I actually have a plus one weird, so I can kind of do magic decently. Um, so I rolled a seven. Okay, an eight. So no, no, sorry, I rolled a six. So, it's a oh, seven you rolled total. a six, a seven total. I see. Okay, so you do. You have to choose a glitch, please. Yeah, I'll do unwanted side effect. Unwanted side effect. Okay. I think what happens here is you close your eyes and you kind of cast your mind up and you're trying to sort of focus. And um, the you, as you focus and you sort of bring in your attention, you also feel this sort of female-ish presence, this amorphous presence with its like insectile claws that come out. And... If there were, if there was any chance of you being able to 
find the queen without alerting her or the mm. or the hive before mm. the swarm before this this has blown it you yep. this will give you an indication of where they are but it, the you clearly see this sort of this as as you sort of focus you feel your energy leave you and it's almost sort of astral projectiony you mm-hmm. see yourself a little kind of faded version of yourself up in the air over the town looking and off in the distance you see this amorphous figure that kind of drifts its way towards you also in the same kind of over just over the town drifts towards mm-hmm. you and just says Come, greet me, father. (laughs) Disappears. Oh, boy. And do I get a sense of the direction? You do. Is it in the direction of the Hilliard Army ammo plant? You think about it for a moment, and you think, (laughs) what if this swarm got out of control, and they weren't able to keep it located in one place? They weren't able to keep it in the lab anymore. They lost control of it. The swarm may have moved the queen somewhere safer for the queen and the swarm. Mm -hmm. Somewhere that no one goes anymore or no one is supposed to go. So it receives almost no foot traffic. Um, But there is still sort of structural elements around it that they can use if they need to. It's pointing in the direction of the Hillard Army Ammunition Plant. And that is where we will end the story for now. <laughs> Thanks, Chekhov's Hilliard Army Ammunition Plant. <laughs> Not, to be clear, Schrodinger's. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> the no, Hilliard Army Ammo Plant. This podcast was created using Monster of the Week, written by Michael Sands and published by Evil Hat Productions. It is based on an original adventure written by Tommy Witty. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the Nature of My Game podcast at N-O-M-G podcast on Twitter and Instagram or at nomgpodcast.com. To support us on Patreon, please visit www.patreon.com slash nomgpodcast.